GMVM. It's September 18th, 2023. I'm CD Demisio, joined by my co-host, Ronald Morgan and Quanta. Good morning to both of you. Good morning, good morning. It's so nice to be here with you today. Good morning. I'm so happy, Riona, you're feeling better today. I'm so happy to be here. Good morning, everybody. And I'm so excited about this space today. Let's have a fun one. Absolutely. Let's have a fun one. Well, this is the VMGM space for those joining us for the first time. Vagabond Magazine. Good morning. And what we look at is the Web3 lifestyle, the way the Web3 lifestyle works and what it is, who the key players are in it, what kind of stuff is happening in it. Quanta, tell me, why are you so excited about this space today? Um, you know, there is so much that has happened in fashion in September. It, it, like, it seems like everybody's just woken up. I think people have returned from their travels. And, um, you know, it's like, boom, one after the other. And it's not just digital fashion. I mean, September, we've had the New York Fashion Week. And the London Fashion Week is uh, currently happening. I mean, it's until tomorrow. And uh, digital fashion, uh, we had the Amsterdam Fashion Week also um, two weeks ago. So it's like one after the other. And um, I think it's the month of September is just like a wake-up call. That's why I'm just so excited to share about, about it here. There's so much going on. Uh, and the digital fashion world is just exploding you know, people say things, you know, like NFTs are dead and blah, 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 blah. But the fact of the matter is NFTs are far from dead and digital fashion is the place where they are exploding. Uh, Riona Morgan, what are you excited about this week? Well, I'm excited that I can and speak and I am excited that I am a lot better than I was last week and I'm excited to go through all of the different things that we've got before us and talk about Web3 lifestyle and I'm excited to talk about the Cool Cats Thanksgiving Day Parade float and I'm excited to hear about all of the things you guys have been working on and so yeah let's jump in. Let's do it. You know what? Let's start with that cool cat's float because that is such a cool story. I I can't believe it. I know, Riona Morgan, you're a longtime cool cat holder. Um, I'm not such a longtime cool cat holder, but I love the project. Can you tell us about that? Do you have Do you have any deets on it for us? Yeah, definitely. I am a I am a longtime cool cat holder, and I love my little fellow. He looks like a little writer. He's got a little uh, like Robin Hood hat. He's very sweet. And um, I also have a cool pet that goes with him. And so that's really exciting. But then the um, Cool Cats float, I think it was just a little bit after the Thanksgiving Day Parade last year that, you know, the, the establishment that runs all of that was looking ahead and looking to see who they could have be part of this and there was a whole bunch of web three participants and um so they put it to a vote and so it was really the most powerful community um that was able to enable their 
their person, their NFTs, <laughs> their uh, digital collectibles to be represented. And the Cool Cats um, won by uh, so much. And so, yeah, they, they are um, going to be featured in the Thanksgiving Day Parade. And the Cool Cats actually um, released... A prototype of the balloon and so it's really it's really great i'm gonna go back through and see if i can find it and pin it in the nest here so that we can all look at it and and be excited and and the blue cat has a little um like stuffy sort of animal that's with him that's called chugs and it's like a little milk carton for a cat anyway it's just really a clever thing and that community is so powerful and just wonderful and um the creator Klon is just a lovely human. Um, a couple of years ago when I was in and at NFT NYC, um, I was able to meet him and go to uh, Cooltopia and spend some time. And so it was really just a beautiful experience. Yeah, you know, Klon is so cool. I've heard him described as the Bob Ross of NFTs, and I feel like that's such a good description. Uh, I've watched some of his live drawing stuff. And for those who don't know, uh, you know, Cool Cats have been on this journey of their own. You know, they launched, they got a lot of hype, floor price went high. But what really always like was this thing that was special about, well, there's a couple of things. Um, first of all, the artwork is so approachable. You know, uh, it's uh, it's like Hello Kitty. Uh, there you go. You can see it in the nest now with the balloon. Uh, it's like Hello Kitty, but but this character Blue is so cute. And every Cool Cat you know, has its own sort of personality. And Klon's artwork is really the basis of that. But then there's this whole thing. They've got the shadow wolves, the pets. And like so many NFT projects, they have tried and tried and tried to like bring storytelling and to like get beyond the hype of like, let's release more assets. Let's make it for money. Let's do this stuff. And I feel like Cool Cats, you know, there's been some some big, you know, major bumps in the road, but I feel like they're really on their way to doing it. And this, this huge cool cat floating in like, you know, Macy's Thanksgiving day parade, that is just such a big thing, you know, to have an NFT character that represents a whole ecosystem floating down, you know, Madison Avenue, it's Madison Avenue that it goes down, right? Or is it fifth Avenue or maybe both? Do you know, Rihanna? You know, I'm not certain. I'm not certain of it. I, I think Madison Avenue sounds exactly correct. And, you know, I grew up out West and so I'm a landmark driver instead of a, a street <laughs> sign driver. And so I've been there. I can't even tell you how many times, but I'm not certain if it's, if it's Fifth Avenue or Madison Avenue. I know that Saks Fifth Avenue is part of the route. Anyway, I will get back to you. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe it's even Broadway. I don't know. Um, I grew up out I grew up out west too. That's funny, landmark driver, because that's how we give that's how we give directions in Hawaii. You know, people you can always tell someone's a tourist because they're like, should I take the uh, the highway ninety nine? And we're like, what? Uh, just just drive towards town and <laughs> right. you know, right. go towards the ocean when you hit this spot. Right. Um, right. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So so. Cool Cats, very, very cool thing that's going on. And I think a very important part of, of the Web3 lifestyle. I see that our friends Katie Dozier and Timothy Green have joined us. We can invite them up on the stage uh, to share some of the amazing things that they are doing in different places and times and with different words. I'll, I'll not wax poetical there, I promise. Um, but 
Does anybody else, uh, Quanta, do you have any thoughts on uh, the Cool Cats, the Thanksgiving Day Parade float? Um, I have a question, actually, regards the project. Um, what exactly, I mean, I haven't, uh, I don't know about Cool Cats, but like, y'all are, the way y'all speak about it is, it's like a, it's like a, you know, blue chip project. And what, I, I wonder what makes a project a blue chip project? Is it just the years, I mean, is that they've stayed strong? Uh, uh, Riona, what makes you uh, want to keep that NFT with you, uh, make you a strong believer in cool cats? Well, that is a is a is a great complicated answer. I think for me, um, I really I'm drawn to people and communities that <clears throat> illustrate my own philosophies as a person. I guess is the best way to say that. And so with the cool cat, um, there, the picture for one is very enticing. It looks like something a child might enjoy, uh, a large spectrum of people might enjoy. Um, I am fond of cats <laughs> and so I enjoy, um, the kind of cleverness that comes with their imagination with their little chugs stuffed animal and the little, um, like the little keychains that we got when we were at that at Cooltopia and just like, you know, the different, the different kinds of things that they portray. And it's almost like this wholesome, lovely community, um, that seems welcoming to everybody and open to everybody. And so it really is the, it really is the, the community and the people and the artwork. And so it's really all of those things together. And, and, um, I really like my little fellow. And so I just am, am drawn to that kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, that, that's what makes it important for me. I'm going to jump in there too. And, and I think all of those reasons that Riona said are part of what makes, makes a blue chip. I mean, obviously in 2021, 2022, the, the big driving factor that everybody was looking at was money, which I, I hate that that was what was defining what a blue chip was. It was like the floor price. But for me, it's always been a combination of the community, the team, and the ability of the team to bring value to the community. That's like the big one. And that's one of the things that Cool Cats has, has constantly shown is the fact that that their team, Klon, and um, they, they've had some transitions, but, but that they're willing to talk with the community, to work with the community, and to always try to make decisions that drive value back to the community. You know, And they stay active. They continually participate in discussions. So... There's a couple examples, you know, they had this thing called Cooltopia that they created. It was like a game and they released, you know, the cool pets and it didn't really work with the community. It didn't really work for a variety of reasons. And so this was a huge venture, you know, and, and I think this is something else is that they're actually backed by quite a bit of money. They have partnerships uh, with quite a bit of money, so they're not going to disappear. So, but it, it didn't really work. So they've completely changed it. They've kind of revamped what their whole strategy is and. Um, going forward, you know, they don't share all that information, but I think that that's it. It's the team, 
the community and how the team brings value, not just to the, uh, to the brand itself, but also to the community that, that feels like what makes a blue chip to me. Um, does that answer your question, Quanta? Or, I mean, do you have further questions about that? Because that's a really interesting train of thought. Uh, no, I think, uh, yes. I mean, I, I was just wondering because um, I like I know I hear about Yoga Labs doing this and I hear about World of Women doing, you know, it, I mean, they, they're constantly in the news and I haven't, um, maybe I personally haven't come across Cool Cats um, news about them so I was wondering um, what what was their um, like their mantra you know um, to make um, make somebody kavit their um, to hold on to their um, uh, PFPs so yeah uh, I, I completely I agree with both of you I mean about community yes I, I think uh, that is what keeps a company um, you know, makes um, an investor believe in the company and want to hold on to it more than I think the PFP. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and I think I think also there's a there's a cultural component that exists too in this, like at least in the in the NFT space in the Web three space when we talk about something being a blue chip, it has to have a, a bit of a cultural component, something that drives it forward. And Yuga Labs is a great example of that. I mean. What they did, they did a couple of things that really set them apart from everyone else. The first thing that they did is they they continually drove value to their holders. That was that was something that Yuga just like pushed, pushed, pushed. And not just by dropping ApeCoin and creating the mutants and the dogs and all that stuff, but also by creating the 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 mechanism where People that held Yuga assets, we can do. We can just say board apes. So people that held board apes created this community where they supported each other, where they uh, were able to build new projects together. You know, Riona and I have have both been involved in ape-led projects, which is a, just a funny thing to say. But Storyverse is one example. Another one is Jenkins the Ballet, which is you know both of those were kind of born from ape holders and getting the support of the ape community. So the community and the culture being attached is really important and i and cool cats has been a little tighter i think with their with their ip um they haven't but one of the things that made me initially want a cool cat was i went to austin for south by southwest a couple of years ago and i was walking down the street and this pizzeria owner had completely covered his like his little pizza his little italian pizza shop in cool cats and you went inside and there was cool cats on the wall there was cool cats on the door and i was just like oh my god these are so cute and i kind of want one um so i waited until you know the price dropped significantly and uh found one that i liked and became part of the community and what i realized right away was that you know this is a community that supports each other that looks out for each other there's there's a bunch of you know token gated channels in their discord and there's even um like side discords where people have like set up things for like creating media and different projects and things like that. So that is kind of the blue chip PFP thing. I think and things that, that have an important cultural significance and aren't going to go away and that, you know, will sort of represent the culture in the future. And I think, I think we can definitely look at board apes as being one of those. And we can look at cool cats. There's a, there's a few other projects. I mean, everybody has their favorites, but, I think I think Yuga Labs 
cool cats, maybe gutter cat gang would be another one that, um, that might have some cultural relevance because of all their connection to the NBA and things like that. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big pixel vault, uh, fan. I love what they've done with Chris wall and comics and, and of course, Moonlinks. you know, we can't forget Moonlinks. but, but we can, we can move on to another topic if you guys want to, unless there's more that you'd like to talk about, about cool cats and, uh, blue chips and NFTs. I just want to jump in and say, I was able to Google the parade route for um, the Macy's day parade. And so it's really like central park West and then sixth Avenue. So if you are, if you're in New York city uh, on Thanksgiving and you would like to, to visit um, set up early, it says uh, super early and some of the best viewing is on central park West and then sixth Avenue. So yeah, jump in. That'd be amazing. And send us pictures. We would love to see it. It's one of the things I love about you, Rihanna, is you are so on top of stuff. Like you're like, yep, I'm going to find that route and you've done it. Okay. So we're going to move on. Um, let's talk about something else uh, than PFPs and NFTs. And, you know, we're reaching the point of Thanksgiving and holidays and things like that. And there's something that's on the minds of a lot of people right now in the NFT space or the web three space. And that's how do you talk about web three or NFTs or crypto to your family? Because there is so much negative sentiment about it right now. I saw a post, what sort of inspired this topic was I saw a post yesterday where someone said that their boss found out they were in web three and had them give a talk to all their coworkers. And they were like, what the hell do I say? Should I even mention NFTs? Should I mention web three? Should I mention digital collectibles? So I have some thoughts about this, but Riona, Quanta, uh, Tim and Katie, if you want to come up, you're welcome. Uh, how do you talk about web three topics? to your family or to people who aren't involved in the web three space. Do you, or, or do you just widely miss it? Uh, Riona, you go ahead. I saw your mic on right now. Well, I was going to jump in and invite you to, to jump in first because I'm really, <laughs> interested. Um, my family, my family is so inundated with web three that our whole house talks about it all the time, practically. So, um, I would love to share some of my thoughts, but please, you jump in. You go first. Okay. Okay. Um, so it's it's very awkward for me to, um, uh, you know, to sh if somebody is like, "What are you doing?" So I mean, I do share what I do IRL. They know that, but okay, <laughs> I can't talk to them about what what I'm doing here in Web three because um, it goes over their head. The I think like the first that the first thing that comes is like the space is not tangible you can't touch anything physically like you're buying you can't even touch the currency you know uh, you can't the art that you buy you don't hold the art you don't hold the fashion um, what are you doing <laughs> so um, that is something that um, that is the first um, question uh, and the other thing is um, so I, I think this was two weekends ago I met a friend I haven't met in quite a while and he writes um, stories um, and it's just like as a hobby and I was um, I wanted to broach the subject 
Oh yeah, yeah. I've heard of NFTs. Uh, these were, you know, you buy them and then you sell them, and then I know you make tons of money, and so that is like, um, okay, that's the feedback that I got, you know. So how I, um, so then I, I veer, I, I move the topic from the word NFT and talk to them about what the technology actually is what web3 is what it means to have something on a blockchain it is not um, it is not about uh, you know it's not about speculation but it is about putting something as a permanent um, as a permanent token and um, what it can do for you like now specifically for him, what it can do for him as a writer. Um, and I was trying to visualize Riona when I was speaking to him. And I was like, you know, I need to get him in touch with Riona so she can explain much better. Um, but yes, um, this is what it is. It's also um, in my, like I am... Uh, I'm a fashion designer, IRL, and I create, uh, I customize clothing. Um, this is specifically for occasions. So these are all all one of one. Uh, this is this is all one of one. It's I never I can never repeat a uh, design again. So my um, the reason I would like to create a, a, a digital token for the for what I create for the clients is so that they have a certificate on the blockchain that tells them that, um, okay, this is when it was made, this is who made it and what went into making it and how many hours and what is the material, etc. And that you are the owner and this was created by these, these artisans and this designer. So now the, the outfits that I make are things that basically are passed down generations i mean i i've like it's like the the mother has worn it and then the daughter has worn it and then her sister has worn it so it's something that uh is going to stay in that family for some time so when um somebody wants to look back at when it was made what is this about all the information is there. Like two days ago, I was looking at my mom's. Um, she has this, these, uh, these, clo- these. Um, now these are Indian uh, woven uh, drapes and fabulous, fabulous embroidery, uh, beautiful weaving. That you don't get that kind of uh, artistry right now. I mean, these are things that are over and done with. It's very hard to get this kind. I mean, there will be, but it is, it, it'll be very hard to find. Uh, I don't know where it was really made. I have no clue uh, how many hours it took. I don't know anything about it. And I would love to know the history of that uh, fashion or that uh, what my mom has. So this is the reason why I, I am keen on having NFTs for my clients. And I don't know how to um, talk to them about it because they really aren't interested in having a crypto wallet. And I feel that 
they will be okay about having a crypto wallet for the NFTs when uh, this this ecosystem becomes more mainstream. When they need the crypto wallet for more things other than just to hold the NFT that I would give them. So, uh, yeah, this is my experience. Quanta, I want to jump in there and I want to say that what an amazing use case that is. I mean, um, charting provenance and history and all the details of a real-life garment um, so that, you know, heirlooms, I mean, not just garments, but, you know, I, specifically with fashion, like I, you know, I buy and sell old things um, and I'll, I'll, sometimes that's clothes, you know, so I have this fascination for old clothes and sometimes I'll go to an estate sale and like be able to go through like an amazing closet and just imagine if there was, you know, a QR code that would allow me to see who had owned that, who bought it, who made it, what they were thinking when they made it. I love this. Like this puts so much value because fashion is storytelling. You know, every time you put something on, you are telling a story and to be able to like have that story so closely held, you know, um, is amazing. And I, I think that the wall, the technology hiccups that we face those those are big issues, and what we're going to see eventually is custodial wallets, or or you know ways that people don't even have to have a wallet. They'll just it'll exist, and they won't have to do anything. They'll they'll use something to log into it that doesn't make them think. You know whether it's like facial recognition or you know the weird world coin thing with the eyeball. But I love that use case, and I love that um, that that idea. And as far as talking with your clients about it, I mean I. I just want to say that that it's it's difficult for everybody. I usually go with uh, it's the next generation of the internet. Sometimes I talk about you know the digital ownership eco- economy, and if I go into Web three and if it's appropriate, uh, Patrick Lee, a friend of mine, he's he's one of the founders of Rotten Tomatoes, which is a big film um, film review site. But he used this example that that I thought was perfect. He said Web one is porn. You know, uh, Web 2 is Pornhub, you know, where people upload their own videos and, and like can share it. And then Web 3 is OnlyFans, where people are actually like making their own videos live and, and it completely owns the economy. So sometimes I use that if, the, if it's an appropriate thing. But I also use, you know, in our writer circles, I use Kindle books with actual ownership. But man, I love this. Like the provenance of fashion is such an awesome way to describe it. Uh, before I go on anymore, because I've gone on enough, I want to say hi to Timothy Green, uh, the editor of Rattle Magazine, uh, one of our favorite poets in the world. Timothy, how are you, man? Hey, I'm good. Um, I wasn't really planning on speaking. I just like to listen in because I'm not really tuned into the NFT space. I just, uh, I, I like it. And so I want to know what's going on, but I have no idea. So I like to pop in and listen. But Katie and I did uh, publish an article in Lit Mag News last week which is one of the uh, sort of like the industry online sort of discussion forums. It's one of the places people talk about things. And we were trying to explain, once again, um, NFTs to people who just have no idea what we're talking about and only heard the bad stories, you know. And we've been trying to do that several times, several different places over the last year. So it's interesting. I think we maybe did a good job for once because there wasn't much pushback or confusion. But uh, the thing that that I've realized over the course of doing it is just how much uh, people are interested and curious, but they're so bogged down by jargon 
and we have to uh, find ways to explain things that doesn't use jargon. Even a phrase like secondary market was something that confused the uh, the publisher of, of LitMag News. Uh, we had to explain that that meant like like um, like reselling, like a, like a used bookstore <laughs> for her to understand it. So, you know, all these things just add up where you have to. And, and I kind of think about, you know, I read a lot of scientific papers. I'm, I'm really curious. I was just reading a really complicated paper about um, atmospheric physics on Mars. And there were a whole bunch of uh, terms I had to look up because I didn't, I'm not following that closely the field, you know. So you have to look up all these jargon words that are um, sort of the admission price for understanding. And that's kind of how people feel when they're hearing about NFTs too. So I think it's really important not to use, uh, use much jargon. I think we did that with this article. Katie came up with this uh, uh, metaphor of a notebook, just a public notebook. And that was the simplest way to explain it that people uh, could understand. And I think they did. And so if anybody wants to check out that, it's like, I don't think it's the front article on LitMag News right now. I think it's down to number two or something because they publish pretty often. But we were expecting a lot of, um, you know, pushback and arguments. I did have one person, um, you know, give the whole environmental issue of how much it consumes resources. And I had to say, oh, no, that's not true with uh, with proof of stake uh, systems instead of proof of work and all that. And there's some stuff like that that came up, but very little. And I think we did a good job of explaining. And uh, so maybe 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 we explain it better from now on now that we've figured it out. That's amazing. And I think you guys are doing sort of the same thing that that I'm doing, which is I usually try to use something that people understand to make it approachable rather than using jargon, you know, rather than saying it's an immutable ledger, uh, decentralized and distributed Um next iteration of the internet to me makes a lot of sense and and kindle books with ownership makes a lot of sense so if you're putting things and and even the porn thing that's the reason why everybody understands what that is so it's when you take things that people understand and you use that to describe it instead of the jargon it really does make it a lot easier that's a great point timothy thank you so much for that yeah and the other thing too um, is it's not only trying to understand uh you know what nfts are it's trying to understand a complete reversal of like all the economic assumptions that you have, because it's a, it's a total reversal for books of the economy. It's, it's instead of, you know, mass producing things and trying to get as many people to buy a low value product as you can. Um, it's the exact opposite of trying to, um, you know, share things widely, but then having that generating its own value. And that's something that that's really difficult to grasp because it's so far removed from everything every writer has ever known. <laughs> and so it's, uh, it's fun to try to explain that, but it's a big leap for people to make. So, you know, keeping it as simple as possible is really important. You know, and I just realized too, I use this term provenance all the time. And what I just realized is that I work in the, in the antique and old goods business and, you know, buy and sell rare books and things like that. So of course I understand what provenance is, but I think most people, they probably think it's a place in France, if anything else. Um, so provenance is like where something comes from, the chain of ownership, the chain of who's owned it, um, who's passed it on. So where it was bought, how much it was bought for. And that's one of the things that blockchain is so good at, is it's so good at detailing that provenance. And you can even create, we say artificial scarcity with digital goods, but that's kind of jargon too, because what we're actually doing is we're we're creating an actual chain of provenance that demonstrates that things are one of one or you know one of ten, something like that. Um, it, your point about jargon is so good, Timothy. Thank you for that.
Yeah, no problem. I'll just I'll keep listening to the rest and pop on if I have any other thoughts. But yeah, but yeah that's uh, what we've been doing this week. All right. And I jumped the queue and spoke before Riona, but Riona, it's your turn. Tell us about your, I'm picturing like the Brady Bunch with NFTs at your house. <laughs> well, you're not far gone. Um, and so we, we, let's see, um, my son bought me my first NFT two, three Christmases ago. I don't even know. I would have to like look at it to see if I can figure it out. Um, and then I was talking to him about, well, what is this even? And, and what's the, what, what value does it have? You know, besides the fact that it was a beautiful, um, picture of a horse and I'm, I'm, I grew up with horses and so I, I really enjoy them and they're beautiful for me. And so I was like, well, that's wonderful. I'm super happy to have this, but what, what is it? And so then of course I jumped right in and I kept, I'm a writer and I've been a writer a long time. And I was like, how can writing be this? This would be amazing. Number one, because it allows actual ownership of what is purchased. And then at that point, the resale of that, because writers never, when you go into a used bookstore, does that money that is spent to buy that used book funnel back to the author in any way? And I was like, wow, this is so very cool to be able to have that kind of digital ownership for the reader. And then if they do choose to sell the collectible down the line, then the money can can filter back to the, the author. And so then everybody is benefiting and it's a, it's a fair approach. And so we all like, I have, I have, um, I have four children. I have a son and three daughters and we all have digital wallets. We all have our, our MetaMask wallets and we all, um, you know, the kids will jump on and they'll be like, Oh, look at this. I really like this. And then Quanta, um, made my girls, um, I was able to jump in and get some of her, her beautiful, fashion story squad one of ones and I bought one for each one of my girls and then she um made um very unique beautiful for each one of my girls with their names on their t-shirts and and it's just so beautiful and I just really feel like that that'll be such a such a treasure for them um talking about um the collectible and talking about um the history of provenance of all of these things. And so we, we, as a family, we're all, we're, <laughs> we talk about web three all the time, like CD, your household name, Quanta, your household name, um, Katie, your household name. <laughs> and, um, and so it's just this wonderful community that we all have here that, that comes into when we talk about at our dinner table, but then, um, Outside of my home, I do a lot of things with writers in real life, and I was just at a um, writers' convention, um, like conference, um, for the state of Montana because that's where I'm from. And we, I went to several different um, speaking sessions, and I got recognized, which was really amazing. There was this woman that was speaking and she saw me and she's like, I think I know you anyway. So it was really sort of fun. And, and, but she knew me because, uh, I'm on Twitter and she's on Twitter and we follow each other. And she's like, I, but what is this web three stuff? I don't know anything about it. And so I started talking to her and then 
two or three other people came and joined. And then pretty soon I've got 10, 15 people like huddled around me and we're all talking about web three things. And they were just like, what, what? (laughs) There's this whole other world that we have no idea about. And so I, I really feel like it's slowly starting to, um, drift out into, um, IRL things. And I spoke with the director of the conference and, and, um, CD, (laughs) we have an opportunity, um, to speak at it next year if you want to. And so, um, that'll be in one of our meetings, um, to talk about this, but it's just, um, I just talk about it because I'm so excited about it and I'm so proud of it. And I try really hard not to use, um, NFT. I try really hard to talk about digital collectible, uh, a token, um, something that is, um, owned. And I talk a lot about Kindle and that you're, you're leasing the right to read this book. You don't actually own it. Um, and if, and if Amazon went under, well, so does all of your books. Like, and so many people that I know, including myself have spent (laughs) so much money to have this digital library that they believe I believed even that I owned. And that's not true. I'm only leasing the right to read them and they actually don't belong to me. And so I'm just, um, a little sad about that (laughs) because I have a huge library of digital, um, things, but, um, I'm slow. I'm, I can't wait until it transitions to then I can just actually own, own it, own the, own the works by Stephen King and own the works by my favorite authors and, and that they're part of my collection, just like my actual books that are on my bookshelves. And so, um, I don't know. I chattered a lot, so I'm really excited about it and I'm really excited. And Timothy, thank you so much. And, and if you guys have a link to your article, please share it up in the nest so that we can read it and we can refer to it and talk about it in, in Vagabond magazine. That would be wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. You know, Riona, um, the royalties thing is such a, it's one of the things that like made all of us writers so excited. And, um, I wish Cryptoversal was here. I know he has some, some really strong opinions about the royalties. Um, but I, I'm not convinced that royalties are gonna, gonna remain a part of the, with the SEC actions and the things that, you know, the U S government has sort of gone on this rampage against a lot of the uh, speculative NFT stuff. The money got involved, and when the money get in, gets involved, the government always gets involved. And unfortunately, for all of us who were excited about royalties and and the sharing of like, you know, secondary sales things like that, um, I I'm not positive that that's going to be a viable road in the future. But the death of the metaverse, the death of NFTs, the death of crypto, all of these things have been vastly over-exaggerated. And one of the places like, well, for example, um, Amazon had talked about creating an NFT marketplace and doing this thing. And we wrote about it in Vagabond Magazine. We talked about it on Spaces. But you know what's funny is is it never materialized. They stopped talking about it, but it doesn't mean that they stopped working on it. There have been more Web3 patents this year than any year in history, which sort of makes sense given the the Space is actually growing and the technology is getting better and the technology will never be as bad as it is today. It will always get better. Uh, 
But one of the places where they have been focusing and where there has been a lot of energy is in gaming. And Amazon, a lot of people don't know this, but Amazon is very involved in gaming. They have a whole gaming division and they've been expanding a little bit into the digital asset, digital collectibles, really NFT gaming market. Now, they're not alone in that either. You have other ones that have started that. Animoca Brands, which uh, I believe is connected also with Cool Cats. But Animoca Brands is releasing a Bitcoin token and creating their own metaverse. There's a Web3 game from a huge um, Web2 game publisher called Zenga. And Zenga has launched a Web3 game or the basis of it, which is Sugartown. It was a free mint. So this was a free mint that people were able to mint if they got on the list. And it, it's it gone up as high. I haven't seen it today, but I think yesterday it went as high as like 0.42 ETH, which is like, you know, close to $1,000 for something that minted for free a week ago. So there's definitely still money in the space. There's definitely still interest in the space. And there's definitely still a lot of things happening. Um, one of the weirdest that I saw in this past couple of weeks was... And again, I pay a lot more attention to the NFT space and the the PFP space than I think a lot of people do. But there's a project called Nakamigos, which also was a free mint. It went up, I don't know, 0.7, 0.8 ETH at one point. It was about a year ago. And they had been teasing they were going to release a new project. Well, they announced a new project. The new project's going to launch in a couple of days. There was some, some FUD, that's fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and some like different negative sentiment that came out around it but one of the interesting things was they released this ip gaming license with their new project and the ip gaming license is it's very specifically built for web 3 gaming so what they're doing is they're charting their future and putting it in the web 3 gaming space 100 percent. and with this ip gaming license was really interesting because it allowed anybody to use their ip to build games with so you don't have to be a holder you don't have to um hold their stuff but they've, they've kept their license for the Nakamigos the way that it was and and we don't have to get into ip licenses and everything but i do feel like web3 gaming is another space where a lot of energy is going quietly right now it's very quiet about it but you have so many companies that are building these games and when you start talking about the web3 gaming space you have to start talking about metaverse Right. And and when you look at Roblox, which is is huge. Right. And Roblox has built this entire metaverse of games. And, you know, my daughter plays it. I'm sure if you have kids, they are on Roblox. They meet up with their friends. They talk. They chat. They hang out. They play games. I remember last year, you know, my daughter and her her friend who lives a thousand miles away, they went to a beauty contest together and they bought this fashion and they walked down the runway and they like competed in the beauty contest. So it all goes back fashion and wearables. And at some point the VR and AR stuff is going to become so good that you're going to meet with somebody and you're going to flip down your glasses or whatever. And you're going to be able to look at the virtual items that they're actually wearing. And it's not going to be the problem of this fast fashion filling up landfills with, you know, old clothes, which is a big, big environmental problem, much bigger than the problem uh, Timothy mentioned, which was the energy usage of NFTs. Fast fashion is a huge environmental and resource and energy problem. So now it's me chatting too much, but I've talked about all that stuff, gaming, fashion, everything else, but Quanta, Riona, Tim, if you want, Katie, if you want, what do you guys want to talk about? And feel free to hitchhike onto the topics that I've thrown out. 
Um, I wanna I wanna ask you. I mean, you had shared something about um, somebody taking a loan on two hundred and seventy six Supreme T shirts, and they had taken. Um, you know, they had got an NFT. So I'm really curious about that. Could you share something about that? Sure. That that story is really fascinating to me. So, so what happened is Supreme is a streetwear brand. And the, the Supreme t-shirts, the box logo t-shirts, these, these can be really valuable, especially if they've never been worn. And so these are t-shirts that were bought. They were basically wrapped or, or packaged safely, you know, vaulted, we can say. And then they were they were put away. Well, this guy who owned these 200 and some t-shirts, he then, uh, I think the t-shirts sold in an auction, actually, Christie's or Sotheby's. So then the owner of the t-shirts then worked with this NFT company that actually issued him NFTs for the t-shirts. He sent the t-shirts to them. They vaulted them. Uh, the NFT was issued as a digital asset that represented ownership of the t-shirts. Whoever owned the digital asset could redeem the asset and then claim the t-shirts. And then that NFT, which represented those t-shirts, he was able to go to another company and actually use that as collateral for a loan to get more than a million dollars in cash. So essentially that's the story. There's a couple different steps there. I don't know all the different companies involved, but vaulting t-shirts representing the physical asset, the IRL asset with a digital asset, which is the NFT, and then using the value of that NFT as collateral to actually get a loan for a million dollars, which by the way, if you go to a bank and you want to get a loan for a million dollars, you have to jump through a lot of hoops. You have to prove ownership. You have to show where the asset is. You have to sign a, a gazillion papers. You have to do all of this stuff. It's not going to be a matter of, hey, here's my asset. I'd like a million dollars. There's a lot to it. But in this case, they were like, here's my asset. I own it. It's in my wallet. I'd like a million dollars, please. Custody of the asset passed to the loaner and the loaner passed the million bucks. Amazing. Amazing. And this to me blew my mind in terms of like a real world use case and simplifying um, of monetary transactions and also the fact that banking the unbanked which is which is another one this guy didn't even need a bank account except to collect the million dollars that were deposited into it yeah you know that's something that is so interesting because who would have thought that a garment a t-shirt can be used as collateral i think like the first use case i came across was um, g money's 90cc you could um, vault your 90cc t-shirt and uh, procure a loan, uh, but it wasn't much. It was like $150, but at least it proved that um, a basic round neck black t-shirt has the potential to be put up as collateral. And I think this is because it uh, the t-shirt was... Um, uh, it was a network t-shirt is what I'd like to call it. I mean, they had an NFC chip and then they had an, uh, a, a digital certificate um, that, that, you know, uh, gave all the information about it. And it, you know, they didn't, uh, like an owner of the 90cc t-shirt wouldn't have to go to a third party to authenticate it. Uh, this was it. And I think there is so much potential 
uh, in digital fashion in in this aspect. Yeah, and it's to, to me one of the things that sort of blew my mind was these are t-shirts that will never be worn, right? They're physical garments, t-shirts that will never be worn. Essentially, those t-shirts have been turned into currency, and it's just such a, a fascinating, like, sort of mind-blowing concept to me that real-world t-shirts are never going to be worn and are worth so much money. But imagine if there was a virtual uh, version of that t-shirt that came along with the ownership of the vaulted shirts, and you could put that t-shirt on in the metaverse uh, and actually sort of flex and wear it that way too. It's, it's all so fascinating. Let's talk about another topic. Let's move on to the death of the metaverse and how it is overrated and overexposed and the death of NFTs and crypto and everything else. I can't count the number of times that I've heard that Bitcoin is dead or that NFTs are dead or that the metaverse is dead. Do you guys hear this stuff or is it just me that, that hears this? No, I haven't come across this actually, uh, you know, about the space being dead. Uh, I mean, I think it's pretty, uh, you know, where Ethereum is now, I think it's like at a stable level. It's, it just fluctuates a, a bit up and down. So uh, the the bust that was there and the influx that was there, I think that um, the technology of Web3 is coming to the forefront. Earlier, it, it was just like everybody jumping into the pool, uh, not realizing what exactly it is, but just jumping in for, um, you know, for the suite and um, that's died down. So I don't, I don't think this thing about um, the metaverse dying. I mean, there is so much happening. People are, um, at least in uh, fashion, we have IRL brands that are opening stores, or they're having fashion shows. Um, music NFTs are getting really big, which I, you know, I, I don't know why, but. Um, I know that we are working towards a music issue for October. And it's been like since the last two weeks, uh, my Twitter feed has been, it's incessant with somebody or the other talking about music NFTs. Even like NFT now as is, um, you know, they have, um, they're talking about how, uh, how you can make, music NFTs, and they have this article for write, uh, for artists. So I don't know, is it because we are, <laughs> we are working towards this um, this issue? That's why this is coming, uh, you know, that's why I'm reading a lot about this, but which is really interesting um, to know. I don't, I don't think this space is dying. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in here too and say, I have heard, I have heard um, people talk about, oh, this is dying, this is dying. And I think that the that the correct term, maybe it's evolving. And so, um, or it's being revolutionized. It's changing. And so I can't imagine, I can't imagine the people that I surround myself with on a daily basis or that I work with on a daily basis, uh, CD and Quanta and Greg and um, E.R. Donaldson and everybody at Page Dow and, and, you know, all of these people, I can't imagine, um, all of them disappearing because this is such, um, an amazing place to be. And we are building something that is so needed and 
so looked for. I mean, we're building something that people need and they don't even know they need it yet. And so I just, I, it, going back to what I was saying, I really think that it's evolving. It is changing from what it was at the beginning of all of this to what it's going to become. And so that, that is super exciting to be part of. Yeah, that's a great point. And I feel like it's not only is it changing, but it became something that none of us really wanted it to become that whole, like that whole focus on, on the money and like just money, 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 money. Like I saw this whole influx of people that that brought who they weren't interested in the technology. They weren't interested in the art. They weren't interested in the poetry, the music, the, the film. They, they were just interested in buying, selling, buying, selling, buying, selling. And that is the most boring shit in the world. Just the buying, selling, stuff it's like you don't even get to have an emotional investment and i love that quanta you're seeing so much music stuff on your timeline i'm seeing a lot of that too and i don't think it's because because we haven't really publicly talked about the october issue uh which is going to be our music issue i've been working on the interview that i did with emily lazar getting that ready and oh my god man she is so cool uh she is so cool and i really love her journey i'm not going to share anything about it yet but her journey is so awesome uh, in the Web3 space and in the crypto space and in the music space. But yeah, so so we've got a lot of music stuff going on. And Quanta, I should also mention that we have been curating a playlist for the October issue. So Quanta's idea was we should, it's a music issue, we should curate a playlist and we've got some amazing music on it. If you guys want to contribute to that playlist for the October issue that we're going to share, you can go into the Vagabond Discord. You can just go into the playlist channel and share your favorite songs whether it's on spotify or youtube uh however you like we'll put together a playlist for you guys and you guys will be able to listen to the issue listen to the music of the issue i suppose you could say and speaking of which we're definitely going to have some emily lazar stuff on there because she's awesome and we're going to bring her on as a guest to this show uh one of these days but probably not until the issue uh comes out so there's all of that uh and Music is such a big part of Web3. It really is. If you guys aren't listening to music because technology has gotten hard or anything else, maybe you saw my recent uh, gripe post, which, Quanta, thank you for inspiring that. Listen to music. Yesterday, I spent all day listening to music, and it made it such a better day. So listen to some music. Well, we're right at the end of the hour here. I think we definitely could close it out, but for people who are listening now or in the future, and if you would like to submit something to Vagabond Magazine for publication, please go right ahead and visit vagabondmagazine.com. There is a submission tab there. Just go ahead and click it, follow the directions, and send us send us something that we can include in our magazine um, that you feel passionate about. So, yes, CD, back to you. Amazing. Uh, Vagabond Magazine is the Web3 lifestyle magazine, and we're constantly exploring what that means and helping break it down and helping make it more manageable. Ultimately, if you're a creative, we want to support you. So tell us about what you're creating. Share with us. Tell us what your challenges are. And hopefully we will find the product market fit for creators and creatives and Web3 and all of this other stuff, beautiful stuff that we talked about today uh, to be a part of your life. This is Vagabond Magazine, BMGM. I guess this is a great place to just say, open up your mics and say sayonara, or however you like to say goodbye. Aloha. Much love, everyone. Until next time. See you all next time. Have a lovely week.